This Week in Agriculture, a production of the Red River Farm Network. With a look at markets, I'm Randy Conan. USDA estimated soybean plantings at 83.5 million acres, far below the average trade guess of 87.6 million. Corn acreage is at 94.1 million, way above the pre-report trade estimate of 91.8 million acres. The all-wheat category in line with the average trade guess at 49.6 million acres. Spring wheat acreage totaled 10.5 million acres. The quarterly stocks report, uh, corn stocks as of June 1st totaled 4.1 billion bushels, below the average trade guess and down from 4.3 billion bushels a year ago. Soybean stocks as of June 1st totaling 795 million bushels, slightly less than the average trade guess. The all-wheat stocks as of June 1st total 580 million bushels right at the average trade guess. If there was a surprise going into the June quarterly stocks and planted acreage reports, traders were expecting it to be in the quarterly stocks numbers. Stonex market analyst Arlen Suderman says the big surprise was the corn acres. This was a year when the planting kind of went pretty much as expected. So we thought there's going to be surprises that probably be pretty small on the acreage side. We had heard reports of increased corn acres across the Midwest, and that's not unusual when things go in the ground well. Um, but we thought that would largely be offset by some of the pre-plant plant acres that we had in the northwestern Midwest, and they would kind of balance out. Well, it came out that uh, those acreage increases were much bigger than expected, with USDA adding 2 million acres from what the trade expected and from what we saw in March. Soybeans being the big loser there, losing over 4 million acres from what USDA said in March. AgriSample North America market analyst Sterling Smith calls that June acreage report a shocker. He says the cut in the soybean acres is a major concern now for soybean supplies. We took soybean acres down to 83 spot 505. I'm actually working on my balance sheets right now and looking at where this is going to take soybean ending stocks, we're going to need to see a serious price adjustment and uh, things that's going to have to curtail exports to bring the balance sheet back even to, uh, you know, back to within what we can normally expect, meaning we could see 75 to 125 million as a carryout. So this report is extremely supportive for the soybeans. Total Farm Marketing Senior Market Advisor Naomi Bloom says the USDA surprised the market by estimating one commodity bullish and the other bearish. So let's start with the bullish side. For the soybeans, friendly, friendly, friendly all the way around, they put the soybean quarterly stocks number at 796. That was below the average expectation of 808 and definitely lower than a year ago. So that's supportive to the market. And the surprise-friendly part is that they put the soybean acres at 83.5 million acres, which was way below the March number of 87.5. So the soybean market had a knee-jerk reaction where it rallied 80 cents at the get-go. Um, we've kind of pulled back here a little bit because we're trying to, you know, really understand what we're dealing with. But that was really, really bullish. Progressive Ag Marketing market analyst Brian Strauman said the lower soybean and larger corn acres caught the trade by supplies, and the cattle market is reacting favorably to that lower corn price. Yeah, sharply higher. You look at the the feeders this morning; we were down a buck, buck and a half, and and uh, the corn acres uh, came out, and the corn market started to fall, and the feeders exploded and posted new contract highs this morning. So uh, they're sharply higher uh, as the feeders went. Uh, the live cattle caught uh, caught on, and and they. Uh, 
took off as well, and we're up, uh, you know, a buck and a half to two dollars as far as the live cattle, even though we had a cash trade this week that was another dollar to two dollars lower. And that's a look at markets this week in agriculture. I'm Randy Conan. Since 1967, the North Dakota Grain Growers Association has been serving North Dakota's wheat and barley producers with representation, education, and proactive advocacy. Partnering with us means you are part of ensuring North Dakota's production agriculture remains a profitable endeavor for the men and women that work to strengthen the backbone of our economy. Visit NDGGA.com to join the North Dakota Grain Growers Association. You raise, we represent. Be listening for the Sugar Beet Report every Thursday at 1250 on most of these Red River Farm Network stations. Each week, we'll talk with industry representatives, agronomists, and extension specialists and get the latest update on the Sugar Beet crop. The Sugar Beet Report, every Thursday at 1250 during Agriculture Today. The Sugar Beet Report, brought to you by Sess Vanderhoff, Bayer Crop Science, H&S Manufacturing, and Amity Technology. With a look at farm news this week in agriculture, I'm Sierra Doctor on the Red River Farm Network. Senate Agriculture Committee Chair John Bozeman joined Senate Republican Leader Mitch McConnell Tuesday for a Farm Bill Roundtable meeting. After the Lexington, Kentucky event, Bozeman says he shares McConnell's commitment for the timely passage of a bipartisan farmer-focused farm bill. South Dakota Congressman Dusty Johnson is confident a farm bill will get done, but more work needs to be accomplished. Uh, frankly, there have been a lot of other things going on in Washington, D.C., so we are, I think, getting to a point now where we're beginning to build up some momentum behind a farm bill. But we don't have a lot of time. We do need, I think, to shift into a higher gear and be prepared to get this thing done in the next few months. The Minnesota Turkey Growers Association Summer Summit and Annual Meeting began this week at Alexandria, Minnesota. Executive Director Ashley Cole says Farm Bill will be discussed at length during the event. Like many other ag organizations, Turkey has been at the table uh, for Farm Bill roundtables and Farm Bill advisory groups uh, for all of the congressional delegation in Minnesota that works with the Farm Bill. But yes, that will be a, a heavy point of discussion uh, with our folks from D.C. who are joining us this week. Minnesota Farm Bureau Director of Public Policy Pierce Bennett says additional funding will be hard to find for the new farm bill. In last year's Inflation Reduction Act, there was quite a bit of funding put in for climate smart activities, which included some conservation-esque programs. I think the bigger conversation uh, within the context of a farm bill is we know we have other funding coming in. We know we're hearing clearly from our, our leaders in Washington that there's really not a whole lot of new money to be used within a farm bill. And so how that changes the conversation of our conservation title. What we really speak to is let's make sure that these programs are being utilized in the way they were intended, particularly when we think about the CRP program, making sure that the focus of those acres going into CRP are on marginalized land that need protected and not prime farmland. Keeping conservation programs focused on its original purpose will be important to help young and emerging farmers and ranchers. What we see happening is in some cases, CRP rates are actually competing with rental rates or purchase rates, and that is particularly harmful for our young farmers and our farmers entering the business in terms of their ability to compete to get a hold of acreage to farm. 
we want to make sure that we retain the intent of these programs that they are protecting marginalized farmland and they're not competing for the all price of farmland and hurting folks' access. And that's really what we're getting after. There's a big conversation around Title II this year. But for us, it's really about maintaining that focus of what these programs are meant to do and make sure that they're going to still be there because they are helpful to farmers and we want to continue being able to utilize them. A motion has been filed in the Federal District Court for Southern Texas seeking an end to the Biden administration's Waters of the United States rule. The Supreme Court ruled the EPA overstepped its authority under the Clean Water Act, but the agency has not made any changes. The lawsuit filed includes numerous farm groups, including Farm Bureau, the National Cattlemen's Beef Association, National Corn Growers Association, and National Pork Producers Council. The Supreme Court determined the WOTUS rule is unlawful, but National Cattlemen's Beef Association Chief Counsel Mary Thomas Hart supports a full rewrite of the rule. Even though it was, again, a unanimous opinion and pretty handedly uh, issued or, or gave us a, a new standard, a wholly new standard for what is considered federally jurisdictional under the Clean Water Act, the EPA and Army Corps of Engineers um, have now said that they believe they can make some small adjustments to the existing WOTUS definition um, and, and basically give us a direct final rule um, that will comply with this Supreme Court standard without going through notice and comment rulemaking and without providing the opportunity for substantive stakeholder involvement in that process. And that's a look at farm news this week in agriculture. I'm Sierra Doctor on the Red River Farm Network. This is Ryan Closter with Wilbur Ellis Company. We believe strong partnerships make every season more successful and building a good base for your nutrient program will take your crops to the next level. That's why we deliver innovative solutions like Tillich Kilowatt, formulated with potassium acetate, fulvic acid, and micronutrients. This fertilizer provides a strong foundation for superior nutrient uptake, improved stress tolerance, and increased yield potential. Dedicated to customer partnerships, the team at Wilbur Ellis is here to provide a winning solution like Tillich Kilowatt to set you up for a successful season. Reach out to our Grand Forks team today to see what the power of we can do for you. Specialty crop markets are special and require more digging than corn, soybeans, or wheat. We do that digging, talking to numerous crop scouts, growers, and processors here in North Harvest, and wherever beans that affect local markets are grown. So follow the dry bean scene every Friday at 1235, brought to you by North Harvest Bean Growers Association, Johnstown Bean Company, Baristo Herbicide from BASF, SRS Commodities, and Heads Up Plant Protectants. With a look at weather this week in agriculture, I'm Sierra Doctor on the Red River Farm Network. Farmers are assessing storm damage from crops from Thursday's derecho event in the Missouri-Illinois area. NAU Country Vice President of Farm Services Rich Morrison doesn't expect severe damage. It, it wasn't near as bad as the one in Iowa uh, two or three years ago. And, and in fact, it was, I guess, kind of welcome because it did bring some rain finally. So I guess you have to take the good with the bad or the bad with the good. But uh, uh, it, it looks to me like uh, other than some of the tornadoes that hit, uh, that a lot of that corn probably ought to end up net benefiting from, from what it got yesterday. So we'll, we'll see how it works out. And with rains come new concerns for wheat and barley producers. NDSU Extension plant pathologist Andrew Friskop says heat has caused stress on the wheat crop. Moving forward, he expects to see some scabs pressure. There's been an overwhelming amount of photos and text messages of uh, what I call heat-induced spots or random spots, abiotic spots. There's a lot of different terminology on it. 
Uh, but you know, to understand like you know this this wheat crop that we have is kind of seen the high and lows, and sometimes our genetics kind of respond differently to it. So uh, I've been getting a lot of photos of um, yellowing and browning, and most of it's probably due to heat. Uh, the other thing that's probably worth mentioning is we're starting to uh, see some of the spring wheat starting to flower, uh, starting to push a little bit hard, and there's been quite a few questions on scab fungicide, scab risk moving forward. Kelly Bean Company Regional Manager John Barch says dry bean fields were looking stressed before much needed rains came. Excluding parts of Minnesota where there was excess moisture, Barch says farmers are happy with the healing rain. There's poor, you know, poor, uh, poor tolerance to that as any crop there is. You know, if you have standing water in fields for 24 hours to 48 hours, those areas are going to be dead. But at least where there's topography, the water can get rid of it. You know, but up in Pembroke County, where it's so flat, you know, the ditches are full, and so the fields are just sitting there like a bathtub. And those fields, unfortunately, are not going to make it. But you know, if the water would drain away fast, uh, you know, they'd survive it. But it'll, it'll, there'll be some loss up there. But I think you know, overall, the the fields that don't have the standing water, they're going to make use of that four inches, five inches of rain they got. And in some fields near Webster, North Dakota, rock and roll agronomy's Jason Hansen says while his area did see some rain over last weekend, wheat yield has already seen limitations due to drought. He's still not seeing much risk of scab pressure. We're just going off the end on this morning. It's still pretty low risk across all types of varieties, but we'll see what happens if this week gives us more. It's a very uneven crop heading-wise. Our yield potential has been determined already it's not the crop that we'd like to see you get 10 inch row spacing you can still see down rows for the most part in in some fields so we've taken the top end yield off of some of the stuff so we just have to see how things pan out here for the week and and just it's an individual decision i i'm not too excited about it yet because i think these temps stay upper 70s low 80s we're going to dry off it's see how much humidity it brings in in the Anita, North Dakota area, Fred Lukens says the crop looks good. Lukens says the wheat will be okay, just not what it could have been. So, like our barley, all this 80, 90 degree weather is taking the top end off the yield. But, um, I mean, overall it looks pretty good. It's just not going to be a bumper, you know. I feel pretty fortunate. I've driven around and I've seen some 9, 10 inch wheat that's headed out north of us and so, yeah, we're pretty good right here. And that's a look at weather this week in agriculture. I'm Sierra Doctor here on the Red River Farm Network. You never quite know when the next storm is going to strike. And all it takes is for a little hail to ruin a perfect crop. But you can protect yourself with a hail insurance policy through Egg Country Farm Credit Services. The insurance professionals at Egg Country can help you customize a policy that will fit your farming operation. Protect your revenue today by contacting your local Egg Country office. Egg Country. Focused on ag. Focused on you. World Weather Incorporated Senior Meteorologist Drew Lerner is your trusted source for agricultural weather. From the Northern Plains, we do expect some showers to develop and a couple of thunderstorms. The majority of the meaningful rain, though, is going to be in southern Canada. To South America, Buenos Aires, La Pampa, and Cordoba, but it doesn't occur until we get into next week, leaving plenty of time for changes in the forecast. Drew Lerner, only on the Red River Farm Network. We're reporting agriculture's business.